At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Zetterberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. The 0-2-2-0 debate is one that will wage on here in the NBA playoffs. And specifically, the team without home court advantage. This is something that betters have taken advantage of for years. And it's the home team down two games to none. And what I mean by the home team, I mean the home team in game three. So it's the team without home court advantage that loses the first two games on the road. In that game three, that's the spot to bet them. Now, why is that? Well, there's a lot that goes into it. But the easiest and most common sense way of putting it is no one comes down from a 3-0 deficit. And so facing a 3-0 deficit, when you've lost the first two games, you play with a little more desperation and you sell out to win that game. Because you know that if you drop that game, your season is essentially over. There's also the home crowd advantage that comes into play and maybe a little bit of home cooking when it comes to the officiating. So, since 2005, teams that are down 0-2 and playing game three at home are 80-38-2 against the spread. In recent years... So going back to 2015-2016, and not including the bubble year, the record is 32-10-1 of the Game 3 home team, ATS, the team that is down two games to none. So that would be the Toronto Raptors in Game 3 here on Wednesday. And on Thursday... It would be the Denver Nuggets who would are down 2-0 to the Warriors. That's on Thursday. The Atlanta Hawks on Friday who are down 2-0. Possibly the Chicago Bulls who would be down 2-0 to the Milwaukee Bucks. At least I think they're going to be. And then maybe the Brooklyn Nets if they lose game two to the Boston Celtics. What's amazing is that the books have caught on and they have adjusted. So we already know that this trend is going to be baked into the spreads here. For instance, we got the Warriors as a two-point favorite in Denver. 
that line clearly has this trend baked in. Because the Warriors won by 20 in game two. They won by, what, uh, 17, uh, 16 in game one. Yet they're two-point favorites in game three. That's because this trend is baked into that spread. The Sixers, who also convincingly took care of the Raptors in their first two games, are only laying a point and a half or two points in Toronto. What's even more interesting is that the Sixers are minus two for the game, but the Raptors are minus one for the first half. That is because this trend is baked in. Home teams down two games to none in game three. Since 2005, 80 38 and 2 against the spread. And like I said, since you know recent seasons, it's 32 10 and 1. That's oh, that's in the first half. It's 32 10 and 1. 29 and 6 run in the last four NBA seasons. Again, not including the bubble. And the first half, though, 32. 10 and 1 since 2015 2016 playoffs, not including the bubble. Very, very interesting to monitor and to see uh, if you're willing to adjust with the books and lay the lines or go against it. For instance, in Denver, the fact that the Nuggets are two point dogs against the Warriors, I, I think Golden State's sweeping them, to be honest with you. Yeah, I expect Denver to get a boost here, but Golden State's look too good for me in these playoffs. So I might take a Golden State money line at minus 125. Same thing with the Sixers and the Raptors. Like, I know, you know, no Matisse Thibel in this game for the 76ers. Um, but, you know, Clint Capella not playing and just the way that the, uh, um, well, that's uh, that's for the Hawks. Um, just uh, you know, Raptors are dealing with injuries. I'm thinking about who's missing for the Raptors right now, but um, obviously not Clint Capella, Scotty Barnes, doubtful, Gary Trent Jr., questionable. So without Barnes, that's a big loss. Um, and then with Trent, it's just a depth player. But hey, without Barnes, you're really gonna it's really going to suffer. Relying on Siakam to do everything here, and I don't know. I just, I really did like the, the the Raptors before this series started, but not so much right now. I'll tell you who I do like, and that's the Brooklyn Nets. I think you get good value on them. I think they could very easily win this game too. Uh, I, I, I. Like them plus the three and a half points. I would take them on the money line. I like plus 180 in this series. And I know we talk about teams that go down 0 2 and how difficult it is 
for teams to come back down 0-2. But if there was a team in this first round of the NBA playoffs that I would be, I don't want to say fully confident in, but that I would be, I wouldn't be surprised, let's put it that way, if they came back from an 0-2 deficit, it would be the Brooklyn Nets. If the Nets drop this game to the Celtics and it's another barn burner that comes down to the final shot of the game, I wouldn't be shocked if the Nets then go on to win games three and four at the Barclays Center. And then maybe Ben Simmons is playing. Series shifts back to Boston and the Nets steal a game. And then win it at home again. So I don't think this series is over if the Nets lose. And I'll tell you what, if the Celtics do win this game, and it is another close one that comes down to the final possession. Let's say it's another Nets, another Celtics win, but Nets cover. I wouldn't, I would actually jump in on a Nets series price because you'll probably get a good number. They're plus 180 now, down one game to none. You might get over plus 300 if they're down two games to none. And like I said, I don't think it's crazy. If to see the Nets come back and win if they are down 0-2. Maybe that's what we're all maybe that's what we should be rooting for. The Nets to lose so we can get a good series price on them. Wouldn't that be something? I'm Scott Seidenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. So right now, the only game that really falls into this system coming up here on Wednesday is the Raptors and the Sixers. And that's what we have with the lines right now, where Philly is a two-point favorite for the game, but Toronto is a one-point favorite in the first half. Uh, for the Warriors and the Nuggets, we have uh, the Nuggets as a two-point dog in the game, but they are minus a half of a point in the first half. So there's the adjustment there. They're two-point dogs for the game, but they're minus 120 favorites for the first half. That's the Warriors and the Nuggets. The Miami Heat and Atlanta Hawks, Atlanta two-point dogs on Friday. We don't have a first-half line on that. (laughs) That is uh, too fresh from uh, today's games. But this is something that we got to pay attention to. Again, the situations where we could have it. We definitely have it here. On Wednesday night, Sixers-Raptors. We will definitely have it on Thursday in Denver with the Warriors and the Nuggets. On Friday, we will have it in Atlanta with the Heat Hawks. We will likely have it in Chicago with the Bulls and the Bucks. And yes, there is a possibility also on Saturday that we will have this situation play out between the Nets and the Celtics playing Game 3 at the Barclays Center. Coming up next, we'll uh, talk about what went down in the NHL as we got teams fighting for playoff positionings, winning streaks, continuing, and a whole lot of drama here with the final handful of regular season games remaining. Who helped out themselves? Who helped out other teams here on Tuesday. We'll go through that and preview Wednesday's slate of games coming up next. Once again, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N. 
A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead right here on v the sports betting network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Back on the look ahead, Scott Seidenberg here, joined in studio by Joe Fan from WinBet. Bet to Win is the podcast, and uh, some cool graphics uh, on your Twitter timeline <laughs> with uh, Joe, Joe's fans, if you will. <laughs> here it's the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Lots of fun in the NBA playoffs, Joe. Lots of fun. Uh, what'd you make of the Memphis Grizzlies coming out strong here, down one game to none, covering the first half, covering the game? No surprise to me, but you know, you could have gotten them at minus 125 to win the series prior to this game one. Yeah. I mean, game two. Sorry. I think it was important to see. I think it wasn't just that they struggled to score outside of job. I mean, two games in a row now, Steven Adams. Has been a complete non-factor. It's been the mm-hmm. Brandon Clark show in the front court for the Grizzlies. To me, outside of the offense, because you figured that would come. Desmond Baines, a good enough player. Um, uh, Dylan Brooks, a good enough player. Jaron Jackson, you know, even though his jumper doesn't look pretty, it goes in from beyond the arc, uh, and he hit more than 100 on the season, and so you expected him to show up a bit more. To me, it was the defense, and it wasn't just that uh, the Wolves were hitting outside shots in game one, because they did. Anthony Edwards is unconscious, uh, Malik Beasley had a nice game as well, but they were also getting to the rim at will. Mm. And I think that was what was most concerning from the Grizzlies standpoint. And anytime they tried to go on a run, the Wolves were the better team from start to finish wire to wire in that game. And they were able to withstand and go get a bucket and answer every time the, the uh, not the Warriors, uh, the Grizzlies scored. So it was a good statement win uh, tonight and just evident that they are the better team. How do you think the series plays out now? Yeah, I still think the Wolves get another. I think they're just too okay. tough, too gritty, and they make life uncomfortable enough with the way they defend, and then they're versatile enough so offensively. maybe a split here in Minnesota games three and four? Yeah, I think they split these games. I think ultimately it ends in six. Yeah, I'd probably lean that way as well. You could have gotten, like I said, Memphis at minus 120 before this game. They're back up to you know minus two and change here to win the series. How concerned are you with the Phoenix Suns now losing game two to the Pelicans and Devin Booker suffering the hamstring injury. So his status for game three on Friday currently up in the air. Very concerned. You have to be. I mean, Devin Booker, one of the best players in the league, one of the best pure scorers in all of basketball. At 31 in the first half. (laughs) The dude fills it up. And so I don't necessarily think they're going to lose to the Pelicans. Now, tip your cap to Willie Green. My goodness, the job he is doing they were 10 games under 500. Mm-hmm. They win two games in the play-in tournament to even get to the, the playoffs. They they battle back against the Suns and at least get in the Suns' mind like, hey, we're going to hang around here yeah. and we're not just going to roll over. C.J. McCollum got hot. Brandon Ingram got hot. Jonas Valanciunas had 20-plus boards. They they made the Suns feel them, even though the Suns still found a way to cover the 10.5 mm-hmm. points. And this from the jump never blinked. Brandon Ingram absolutely lights out. C.J. McCollum lights out. This is a really fun team. Uh, I love Herb Jones, the rookie, who a fearless defender. I think that the Suns, it, it's not just what happens in this series. Is okay, well, now all of a sudden, what happens when they play the Grizzlies or the mm-hmm. Warriors? Are they now the best team in the Western Conference where they came into the postseason 
unequivocally the undisputed number one seed. Without Devin Booker, you question that. I think it's the Warriors. I think the Warriors are going to the NBA Finals. They they look incredible right now. And everyone's going to talk about this new death lineup. Call it whatever you want. It's working. And I think that I hate to say this because I don't want to come off as like an NBA hater or anything like that. But the NBA regular season is absolutely meaningless. For sure. It's 82 games of nonsense to get ready for three months of real basketball. More than half the league makes the playoffs, especially now with the playing tournament. 20 out of 30, you know, it's like, it's unbelievable. You, you, you really have to be bad, I'm looking at you Lakers, to not even have a chance to get into the playoffs. The Warriors started out well. They were playing without Klay Thompson. They dealt with injuries. Draymond misses an extended period of time, and everyone's like, when's Draymond coming back? You know what? We don't care. That's what the Warriors were probably thinking. We don't care if Draymond ever comes back. All that matters is that now they are healthy when it matters. This is the Warriors team that is the best version of the Warriors, and I don't think anyone's beaten them. Not in the Western Conference. Not even the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, you make a good point about how relevant the regular season is and the play-in tournament further establishes yeah. that. Like I mentioned, the Suns, or not the Suns, the Spurs and Pelicans were a combined 24 games under 500 mm-hmm. going into that, what, 10-11 game or 9-10 game or whatever garbage game it was. Uh, so I completely agree with you there. And I, I'm also on the Suns, or the, I keep saying the Suns, the Warriors. I, I, I put, just to have something on them, I was like, if they get hot, they can win a title. I think they were plus 750 mm. uh, going into the playoffs. I was like, why not throw some money on that? Because... They've got the pieces there, and they've also got sneaky depth. And I know we talk about the added superstar of Jordan Poole, who has put up 30 in both games, or I guess he finished with 29 in game two. Mm-hmm. He has been a dominant factor. You obviously have the big three in Draymond, Clay, and Steph, but you have role players like uh, Otto Porter, Bielitsa. If they need some energy, you can go to Gary Payton the second or <laughs> uh, or Jonathan Kaminga. You've got Andre Iguodala for some added uh, veteran leadership. You've got... Kevon Looney as, as another front court presence. And so they are sneaky deep beyond what I think a lot of people think when they think of just kind of the top heavy yeah. warriors. I know the books are adjusting to the whole home team down 0-2. We've seen it. Uh, right now you have a situation where uh, the Sixers coming up here on uh, Wednesday are a two-point favorite for the game, yet they're a one-point dog in the first half. Similar role for the Warriors, who are a two-point favorite against the Nuggets, yet Denver is pretty much a a minus a half, minus 120 on the money line in the first half. There's nothing about these first two games, and I don't care about Denver getting a boost at home. Nothing about these first two games shows me why Denver is going to win this game. I think the Warriors are sweeping the Nuggets, and I'm glad to take a minus 125 on Golden State money line game. It's one of those if they if they find a way to lose, you just tip your cap to the Nuggets yeah. and move on. And there's such a discrepancy in terms of who the better team is mm-hmm. that push the narrative aside. And you saw the Nuggets got to a hot start in the first half of game two, and they were still down at halftime, <laughs> and that was the best case scenario. So how do things play out to where? Who steps up? Mm-hmm. I mean, is Joker going for 30-plus like Book did in the first half of Game 3? I mean, what is what the, the is the scenario is, that plays out for that to actually happen? The problem is they can't score. They can't go on runs, the Nuggets. When they score, it's methodical, right? 
It's a half-court game. It's get the ball into Jokic's hands, and then he either passes because he's the greatest passer in the NBA, or he scores. But they don't do 20-5 to runs. They don't go on 12-2 to runs. The Warriors do. And if they do that and they build up a double-digit lead, I'm sorry, Denver's not coming back from that. Shame on me. I didn't even mention Andrew Wiggins. You look at every player on this roster from Poole, Thompson, Wiggins, Curry, four dudes who can legitimately go on a run by themselves. Who is doing that? I'll give you Will Barton. Sure, because I guess I have to. If you have to give a second player on the Nuggets outside of Joker. Listen, Murray and Porter aren't coming back, so it's not going to happen for them. Uh, And I feel the same way about the Sixers game. I think when you look at the Sixers, the one, okay, Matisse Thibault can't play. But he hasn't been really a big factor in these first two games anyway. I think the Barnes injury kills Toronto. 100%. The fact that the Raptors are getting this respect just for coming home in game three doesn't make any sense. When you look at these two teams are so similar in that they're both short rotation teams that play heavy minutes with their starters, Mm. except one team has superstars and one team has very good players. Yeah. Can I entice you on a plus 180 price for the Brooklyn Nets in the series against the Celtics? Down 1-0? Sure. (laughs) I'm riding Celtics futures, so I'm just hoping they find a way. This is what I'm hoping for. Hoping the Celtics win game two. Because I'm going to buy in on the Brooklyn Nets down 0-2. Now, teams don't come back from 0-2 often in the first round. It's only happened, I believe, let's see, 12 times out of 188 times that a team has been down 0-2 in the first round. But it actually happened last year. And if there's any team that's capable of doing it, it is the Brooklyn Nets. So I'm hoping that the Celtics win game two so that I can buy in on the Nets at around probably maybe plus 300 to win the series. It's amazing how valuable Kyrie and KD are. When you talk about, (laughs) if you're going to make a list of the best players in the series, you, you could give, you probably would give the Nets one and two. But how far down the list do you go before you get to a third Nets player? I mean, you have to go down Tatum and Mm Jalen Brown, certainly. Yep. And you're going Al Horford and Marcus Smart. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, Bruce Brown shows up. I was going to say, I mean, Goran Dragic, if he's, you know, playing like, you know, he played several years ago. Um, and, And I don't know. Look, there's a chance. Ben Simmons has been cleared for contact. There is a chance he's not going to play in game two. Maybe not in game three. There is a chance we could see Ben Simmons on the floor in this series for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, what impact does that have? I don't know, but I'm just thinking. The last time we saw him, he wouldn't take a (laughs) lay-in. If they're down 0-2. I'm going to be intrigued by that price. He's Joe Fan from WinBet. Bet to Win is the podcast. I'm Scott Satterberg. Let's talk a little baseball coming up next. I want to talk about your M's, okay? Can't wait. See how pumped you are about Let's go, this baby. season. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Back on the look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Scott Seidenberg, joined in studio by Joe Fan, host of Bet to Win from WinBet, as uh, we talked about the NBA playoffs. Now, I want to get into a little Major League Baseball here, Joe. Let's talk about the Seattle Reds as uh, Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez are proving dividends for your home team. 
Dude, Eugenio I call Suarez. them the Cincinnati Reds because those are two players that used to play for the Reds that are now on the Mariners. It's funny when you trade away your whole roster outside of Joey Votto, <laughs> and then the reigning rookie of the year gets hurt, and you have no pitching. They're 2-10 well, to start the season. Tough time, Cincinnati. Mariners have, have gotten off to a nice start, certainly at home. They've they've won mm -hmm. three of their first four. Eugenio Suarez, Eugenio Suarez has a nice start to his season. Yeah. Jesse Winker, more walks than anyone in all of baseball. He's got like 12 flyouts to the warning track, and so I think he's just waiting. Humidor <laughs> effect. I'm yeah. telling you, those would be home runs last year. Suarez hit a bomb in the first inning tonight where it was a slide, an 0-2 slider off the plate that he pounds to, to dead center field about 415. And so, yeah, he's been a great addition. It's been a fun start. I, I had to come in and rock, Old rock school. the shirt. That there is we go. Old school that. jersey. Look Absolutely. Got the old school colors. Got yeah. the trident. So uh, it's been 20 damn years since we've made the playoffs. Longest drought. Yep. Time for that to end. No, they're a fun squad. I mean, the whole ALOS has gotten off to a good start outside of, um, you know, the Rangers that are 2-8. and eight. Every other team is above 500, even the damn Oakland Athletics, who no matter how little they spend, they find a way 30, to be competitive. About 3,700 people in attendance today in Oakland. We, we get shameful ownership. We get double that for the Aviators. Yeah, their minor league, their their Triple A team here in Vegas draws more than they do. Yeah, it turns out when you're trying to move a team to Vegas, you raise prices, you trade away all the best players. Fans usually don't show up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the team was supposed to be bad, but hey, they're winning some ball games. Um, what is usual. what has jumped out to you to to start this baseball season? You got the Mets, who are off to an incredible start, nine and three. You mentioned your M's and and just the or, the uh, the the A's, who haven't been that bad. The Baltimore Orioles have played to an under in every single game that they have played this season. So that is a gravy train that keeps on delivering cash. What has jumped out to you? Yeah, let's just go division by division real quick. Toronto, I think. The starting rotation hasn't been as good. Outside of Alec Manoa, the starting rotation mm -hmm. hasn't been as good as expected. And even the lineups have been, or the, the bats have been a bit colder than I think we expected them to be the juggernaut. You mentioned that home runs are down. I think, you know, you hope when when the weather warms up a bit as the summer approaches, uh, that starts to change a little bit. But I think Toronto at 6-5 and five is, is a bit of a surprise through 11 games. Um, the AOS, I, mean, I think the Angels without Mike Trout right now at 7-5, and five, they've been impressive. Um, no surprise that that the Astros and Mariners are over 500, in my opinion. I think the Mets being nine and three, nice to see Lindor, even if he's not peak Lindor. Yeah, he just got off to such an egregiously bad start, and it wasn't even just a start; it was more than half the season last year where he was a shell of himself. And so he's contributing, getting on base every game. And at nine and three, without Jacob Degrom throwing throwing a pitch yet, uh, I think is is nice to see. I think both of us were high on the Phillies, and they're at four and eight right now, losers of three in a row, and they've been an absolute mess across the board. Seven, I think seven of eight they've lost, and and they they just they haven't been hitting. And I actually backed them here in Colorado, and they had today, and they had a uh, four three lead in the seventh inning. Jerry's Familia comes on, and you know he's one of the guys that they brought in to kind of fix what has been their Achilles' heel in recent seasons, which has been the bullpen and two outs. Two strikes on C.J. Crone. He gives up a three-run home run. His sixth so, of the year. So, yeah, C.J. Crone's off to a great start. So, a 4-3 game turns into a 6-4 game. They did claw back with one in the eighth, but they lose the game 6-5. So, they're losing ways continue. One in five now on the road this well, season. Well, and you mentioned the Rockies. And they are the biggest surprise of the start of the season. Yeah. That's where I was going to finish at 8-3. and three. They've been one of the best hitting teams in all of baseball. Sure. Connor Joe at the top of the order is hitting like 350. Chris Bryant, even without a home run, mm -hmm. is hitting right around 350. And so it's not just been the long ball Coors Field effect. 
they are getting on base and getting guys in, clutch hitting with two outs, like you mentioned. They've had enough pitching to get the job done. So uh, certainly a long year, and this could change in the matter of a week. Um, but eight and three for the Colorado Rockies. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Anything uh, on the board here on Wednesday that piques your interest? We got a doubleheader between the White Sox and the Guardians. And I tweeted this out um, today that last season there were 60 doubleheaders and only 26 of them ended in sweeps. It is very difficult to sweep a doubleheader. You have a lot of teams that win the first game, and then in the second game, maybe it's a backup catcher going. Uh, bullpen usage, if your closer pitched in the first game and you got yourself a win, is your closer available in the second game? We saw that for the Mets, Edwin Diaz in the first game, and did not pitch in the second game, so Trevor May actually got the save. We had two sweeps today. Nationals beat the Diamondbacks 6-1 in game one, just one nothing in game two. And then the Mets, with the extra inning, come from behind win against the Giants in Game 1, and then they rode Mad Max to a win in Game 2. Important to note, and maybe it's just the under-trend as well, but Game 2 was 1-0 Nationals-Diamondbacks. Game 2, 3-1 Mets-Giants. Doubleheader coming up here on Wednesday between the Guardians and the White Sox. I might look at the under in Game 2 and back the team that maybe loses Game 1. Yeah, I think when you look at the rest of the board, I think the Reds on a run line are kind of an auto-fade right now. I mean, they're just such a mess. With Mackenzie Gore on the bump for the Padres, he was impressive in his first start. Wasn't lights out, but was good enough, and he battled a bit, um, even if his stuff wasn't the best or the nerves were getting the best of him in some spots. Um, they're minus 188 on the money line, minus or plus 110 on the run line. You could also take them first five. Um, if you wish, but I think the Padres at home against the Reds is an easy play for me. Otani's 0-2. Will he fall to 0-3? They're, they're in Houston against the Astros. They are a minus-140 favorite. Uh, I, I mean, it's hard to see Otani starting the season 0-3. But... He hasn't been good away from home, though. Yeah. And so, yeah, this to me is a stay-away spot mm-hmm. because the Angels, I think, are, are punching above their weight right now. And the Astros... They've been okay, not great. You you, you expect Jordan Alvarez, now he's back in the lineup, to, to give them a boost. But I'm probably staying away until we find out exactly what Shohei Otani is going to be from a pitching standpoint. I like the Blue Jays with Barrios in the bump um, on he the road against the Red Sox. Start, he hasn't. It's the yeah. same kind of thought process with Otani. I just have more more faith in the Blue Jays than I do the Angels. Um, I like the Mariners, again, at home with Logan Gilbert, minus 146 in the money line uh, against the Texas Rangers. I think there's oh, there's plenty of value there. So, Rangers have just not been good to start the season. Worst worst pitching staff yeah. in all of baseball, giving up more than six runs a game. It's just not good. It's never it, going to get it done. It is Sandy Day in Miami. Sandy Alcantara goes for the Marlins against the Cardinals. So uh, that could be worth a look. You got the Yankees and the Tigers. Now, this is an interesting spot because Eduardo Rodriguez pitches for Detroit. The Yankees are extremely familiar with Eduardo Rodriguez from his time with the Red Sox. Now, when the Red Sox faced Eduardo Rodriguez, I wound up fading the Tigers and going with the Red Sox just because I thought that this is going to be a team that has every prep for Eduardo Rodriguez because they know exactly what, uh, what he has over the years. There have been, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine Yankees. I'll count, uh, I'll actually just go, let me go seven Yankees because two guys aren't going to play. But seven Yankees that have double digit at bats against Eduardo Rodriguez, four that have over 20 at bats against Eduardo Rodriguez. I love familiarity when it comes to baseball. 
It's not so much the success. Yeah, it helps that Glaber Torres has three homers off of him in 23 at-bats, and Aaron Judge has a homer off of him as well. But you see a guy 25 times, there's absolutely nothing that he's going to throw at you that's going to surprise you. It helps with the confidence that uh, Severino was absolutely lights out in his last start. Sure. And so you like what you see there. Although New York's off to a slow start from a lineup mm-hmm. standpoint. I mean, I lost a couple of bets over the weekend with them losing outright to the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, you know, if you look at WRC plus Wade runs created, they rank 17th, very pedestrian, just above, just a hair above league average uh, at 102. They're not a super scary lineup right now. Judge by his standards off to a bit of a slow mm-hmm. start. Giancarlo had a couple of hot games to start the season, but he hasn't been great over the last three or four. So um, I would I would lean New York minus one fifty six. Maybe you throw them into a two team favorite parlay. You throw Yan- think, you throw Yankees I, and Padres together. Yeah, and I think you've got to play. I think I'm I think I'm leaning Yankees first five. I want to back Severino and I want to fade Eduardo Rodriguez. The thing is though is that the Yankees' strength is their bullpen. So. I do like the fact that you get them, you know, maybe in a full game, you get their bullpen. But they used uh, Chapman on uh, Tuesday night, so I don't know his effectiveness, but they didn't use their top relievers in the game against Detroit here, which means that those guys are probably available in this game tomorrow night. You can get Padres-Yankees line parlay at plus 150. Throw the Mariners in there as well, and let's have some fun. I am so down. Do not do not threaten me with, <laughs> with a, a good, good time. time. <laughs> we got 41 seconds. Let, let me put this together. Tell me what the price is. Let me gonna, put this we'll together. Let's have some fun with this. Padres, Yankees. Pa- Padres, Yankees, Mariners. That is... Give me plus 250. Come on. Plus 300. Plus 300? Sold. He is Joe Plus 320. Fan. Plus 320. He is Sign Joe me up. Fan. We're riding that. At, riding that together. At Joe underscore fan. Check out Ben to bet to win from WinBet and Go Mariners. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is the look ahead here on VSIN. Our store. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Conquer the competition for cash with the Northman Clash on the Ice Challenge. Join two free-to-play pools and compete for your share of $10,000 in total cash prizes with your hockey predictions. Head to DraftKings.com slash The Northman now to join the action. The Northman in theaters April 22nd. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I just love saying The Northman. Scott Seidenberg here with you. It's the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Let's take a look at the action on the ice. The Maple Leafs with a 5 2 win over the Flyers. They cover the puck line as well. Wild do the same against the Canadiens, 2 0. The Red Wings beating the Lightning in Tampa as a massive underdog. We had touched on this game briefly last night when we were running through the schedule. And I said, wow, I mean, this is just getting wild here. The way that the books have adjusted to the uh, the favorites, like the teams that are playing, you know, for something in the playoffs and for teams that are out of it or whatever. Anyway, Detroit was minus 480 in this game. At plus 375, the Red Wings win 4-3. to three. 
Rangers win as a uh, minus 215 favorite over Winnipeg. Uh, Florida wins 3-2 in overtime. The Panthers have won 11 straight games as they are going for the President's Trophy. Right now, they are tied with Colorado at 116 points, 11 straight wins, the longest currently in the NHL. Nashville defeated Calgary 3-2 in a shootout, an important win for them. Boston, we told you we liked Boston last night, a 3-2 win over St. Louis in overtime. L.A., that was free. Uh, The Kings, minus 162, beating Anaheim 2-1. So for them, they have now have 92 points and have created a five-point separation between themselves and the Golden Knights for third place in the Pacific Division. Vancouver misses an opportunity here to leapfrog Vegas and put themselves even closer to a wild card spot. They lose 4-3 in a shootout to Van to uh, excuse me Ottawa. So a missed opportunity for the Canucks. So here's how the playoff seedings uh stand out now with about 5 games left in the regular season. You have Tampa at 100 points as the third-place team in the Atlantic Division. Boston is just one point back of them at 99 points. The Rangers and the Hurricanes are tied at 106 for first place in the Metropolitan. The Capitals have 96 points. They are three points back of Boston for the first wild card. It's important to get that first wild card because the second wild card will have to face those Florida Panthers that have won 11 straight games. In the Western Conference, Minnesota and St. Louis tied at 103 points, jockeying for home ice advantage when those two teams face off against each other in the first round. The Kings are two points back of Edmonton in the Pacific Division for home ice advantage in that 2-3 matchup. Your wildcard teams are currently Nashville and Dallas. Vegas and Vancouver are both four points back of Dallas for the final wildcard spot. Here's what we have on the schedule on Wednesday. Dallas will face Edmonton in Edmonton. The Oilers are minus 160. Uh, Blackhawks at the Coyotes, a game that doesn't have any playoff relevance. Chicago minus 160. The Capitals are here in Vegas to take on the Knights. Vegas is minus 130 with a total of six. Both of these teams need the win. Vegas more so than the Capitals because at least the Capitals are already in the playoffs, but the Capitals are trying to avoid being that second wild card. And the Capitals are actually playing some decent hockey. They've won two straight, seven of their last 10. Meanwhile, Vegas has not looked good lately. And they lost their last game the other night to the Devils. They've dropped two straight games. And honestly, I don't know how this team considers themselves a playoff team. 
Maybe there's a little bit of a Vegas flu factor with the Capitals already in the playoffs and having arrived here the other night. So maybe uh, some going out, some enjoying themselves here in town, a game that um, they can afford to lose because, like I said, they're already in the playoffs. So maybe you take advantage with the Knights at minus 130, but, man, nothing about the way Vegas has played gives me any confidence in them. They just do not look like a playoff team. Avalanche are at the Kraken, Colorado minus 380. Colorado coming off a loss to the Capitals, 3-2. to two. And seeing the way that Florida has just maintained their push here, winning 11 straight games, I think Colorado might be a little motivated to pick up a win here and regain that lead for the President's Trophy with the most points in the NHL. As I said, both teams are tied at 116 right now. Uh, Other teams that have been hot, so you want to pay attention to the hot teams in the NHL. Yes, it's Florida with 11 straight wins. Toronto has won four straight eight of their last 10 games. Uh, Washington has won two straight seven of their last 10 games. The Rangers have won three straight seven of their last 10 games. You have Colorado, who has won nine of their last 10. Minnesota has won seven of their last 10. St. Louis has won nine of their last 10. Edmonton has won eight of their last 10 games. These are all hot teams right now that you can look to back in the final five, six games here in the regular season. So let's you know keep an eye on when those hot teams are playing next to figure out if, when we want to back them. And we got one of them in Edmonton, who is at home here laying minus 160 against Dallas, a Stars team that right now is holding on, holding on to the second wild card with 91 points. And a loss here doesn't necessarily kill them because they will still be in possession of the wild card should they lose this game, even if Vegas picks up a win. Uh, You'll have interesting games through the remainder of the week as the regular season winds down here, Uh, but more so for this game, these games here on Wednesday. Uh, I think you got to go for Edmonton at home against Dallas. And I'm I'm so torn with this Vegas Capitals game. I think the Capitals are just in better form right now. And I would take them at the plus money value because this Vegas team just does not look like a playoff team to me. However, if if desperation is where is the angle that you're going to handicap, there is no more desperate spot than you're going to get from Vegas than in this game on Wednesday against the Capitals. Because if they lose this game, I don't care if they win out against San Jose, Dallas, Chicago, and St. Louis. That would only give them a maximum of eight points to finish the year. If Dallas were to somehow come away with a win in... This game here against Edmonton, 
that would give them 93 points to Vegas' 87. That is a six-point deficit, and Vegas only has eight possible points remaining. And one of those games is against Dallas. So if Dallas just gets one point in that game, goes to overtime, that's it. Vegas can't make the playoffs. So, desperate times call for desperate measures is the saying. It's just a matter of if you want to back the desperate team in Vegas or you want to back the team that is in better form, which right now would be the Washington Capitals. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We'll get back into the NBA playoffs, the Major League Baseball slate. We'll talk through the leans for Wednesday's game in Major League Baseball. Let's handicap them together right here on The Look Ahead, here on v the Sports Betting Network. 